The following is brought to you by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast. My name is Justin Robert Young and this is going to be an episode that uh, will be different than it normally is. There's not gonna be three segments. There's not going to be a traditional interview. And if you are listening to this with your children, please understand that I am not going to edit any curse words and they will likely happen. That's because for the first time ever on the main show, we have the political triad in person. Jen Briney, thank you so much for recording this and being here in Nashville. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. I sucked you guys into this. Yeah, this is your podcast movement is where we're at. This is your thing. And then, of course, that lovely baritone is Andrew Heaton, political orphanage. A a, a pleasure to be here. Now, normally, you cut out my conspiracy theories and things, which I'm very much in favor of. Yeah, normally. You're not cutting that out now? So if I I go on to some weird things about the moon landing and things, it's going to stay okay. Normally, like, it's just uh, like he. 45 minutes of moon landing hoax. It's just all like, you know, five minutes to building seven and like, you know. Exactly. (laughs) I'm just saying, if you look at all the buildings, it sure looks like one of them fell independently. Uh, So this is going to be an unscripted conversation with the uh, uh, political triad, which I know you guys uh, uh, love hearing, so go. So can I just, this is the first time I physically met Jen. We've hung out several times, yeah. Justin. Jen and I hung out for the first time physically today. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was, it was wonderful. It was cool. It, it, it's one of the weird things about 2021 is I have all these friends that I've now known for a year that I've never hung out with before. It's weird. Yeah. And like, Jen is eight and a half feet tall. I hadn't predicted that. Yep. Uh, yep. And, I am uh, enormous. But, but, She's just dunking but, but, on everybody. Very like, she just carries a small basketball with her and yep. just dunks exactly. on everybody's yep. head. And my, one of my new friends at Podcast Movement is a dwarf. So, <laughs> like, I'm enormous and I'm walking around with him and, like, it's been really fun. Uh, no, it's been, it's been uh, 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 exceptional. Uh, by the way, listeners, uh, there is... Uh, uh, Heaton ordered some chicken because... Heaton ordered chicken. I don't want to tip the deck here too much, but it's possible that we might have done a meetup earlier and had some drinks. Oh, yeah. And we might be doing more stuff later tonight. So I thought it would be a good idea to get some, some protein. He needs something uh, in his stomach, and, and this is when uh, uh, we, are, we are doing the show. So yes. uh, uh, if you... And and you, Justin did buy me a drink that's basically gasoline. So I'm gonna get weirder <laughs> as we go. <laughs> it is, it is, it is vodka and soda, uh, and possibly the uh, 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 soul of an orphan at yeah. some point. It's a uh, fire hazard. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is what you would expect from the Hyatt place. Uh, so. Um, I'm not compa- complaining, by the way. I love it. So thank you. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh wait, hold on. Uh, uh, so we're no, not even fresh. No, they're coming later. Oh, they're coming later. Okay, they're coming later. Right. Thank you. This is off to a great start. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We are in a lobby. This it's is fantastic. No. Were you talking about politics? No, we are. We are, we are bringing it. We are bringing everybody into the first time that we are that we are hanging out. This is this is truly like a documentary of mm-hmm. uh, of, of, of of the three of us. I, I think it's a veritable Algonquin table. Let me let me ask you guys this: Why do you think that our shows work well together? I've actually been talking to people about this all week, my podcasting friends. For nine years, I have been very nervous when I go into like the political podcasting space because it's kind of a mean girl atmosphere. Like people talk about each other and like if you don't like agree, like the example that I have, I've met them both and I like them both individually, but like Cenk Unger and Jimmy Dore are now in this like war on Twitter 
And I remember when Dave Rubin left the Young Turks, now all of a sudden they talk about, they do whole segments on whatever Dave Rubin said. And I'm just like, I don't want to be involved in that. I feel like I left high school. I'm not trying to like recreate it online. And so I've dipped my toe in the space, but I've never felt like this is where I want to be. When I met you guys, like we have had disagreements politically. Sure. It's never once got personal. If anything, you apologize for things, Andrew, that you time. shouldn't apologize for. Literally every yeah. episode, I yeah. apologize to Jeff. <laughs> I'm like, I think I stepped on you too much. Yeah, you guys are smart, kind, fun, um, and you don't take this shit too seriously. I think we all kind of understand that like we're into it, but we're not going to solve these problems. And I just appreciate how friendly all of it has been. So I feel more comfortable talking to you guys because I know it's not going to be scary. And it's the reason I keep like coming back on your show. So that's what it is for me. It's like, I feel like this is the first time in the political space that I found people that I want to hang out with, be friends with, like be on your shows repeatedly. Like it's, it's because of who you are. Like you make me feel so comfortable. I think it comes out in the episodes. I feel like I can be honest, even if it's kind of a controversial thing to say. So, yeah. Which is weird. Why? It's weird that, that, no, 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 that, that that would be a thing that you need to, like, be worried about, like, being honest, mm -hmm. like, about your opinion, because politics is such a blood sport right now. And maybe, I mean, like, on cer a certain level, it's kind of always been, but uh, especially now, it, it is just like, I don't know. I feel like it's gotten worse. Eaton, what do you what do you think? Why, I, why, why, I, why, why do we why do we work well together? I, I agree with everything Jin said. I'll add to that. Um, you know, we're all nice. I'm, I'm gonna. I think we're all capable of compartmentalizing a perceived solution to a problem in the person that's saying it. So yeah. so like, I I, I don't like doing. Uh, Character attacks. I don't. I don't like it. I, and I. I really. I just. I don't tend to do it. My every once in a while, I'll say something mean about Trump or somebody else. But for the most part, though, I don't like focusing on the moral veracity of people. I do think most people now politicians. I think mostly want to get elected. But taking them out of it, yeah. we're just getting into regular people, humans. I think most humans really kind of want the same thing. Particularly in our country, most people want prosperity, peace, and pluralism, or some variation of that. And great and I'm happy to work with people so like I tend to judge legislation based on the outcome but I judge people based on the intention and usually the intentions a good thing and but regardless I'm capable of separating that as are you two so like if we're gonna get into something where we disagree and and we, like uh, I, I'm, I'm more neoliberal and, and you know Jen is not or somebody else like it's not a personal attack it's just like this is what I think is the best solution and Jen thinks this or, or Justin thinks this but it doesn't mean I don't like you. And, and I feel very comfortable talking to you both because yeah. I know that if, if you bring up other information, probably it's gonna be edifying to me. It probably means that you researched the hell out of something that I didn't. And I'm gonna to wanna to hear Good, what you have to say. Good, keep taking that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but also, like, I'm not worried about saying anything around you where you're gonna go, oh, you think this? Like, well, then we're not friends anymore. So I, I think that that's a big part of it. Uh, I think. Uh, I don't think any of us is ever going to have a segment like this. Is why Andrew Heaton yeah. is an idiot. It's. It, I guess I, I hadn't thought about that that element of of the, the 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 mean girl thing, that like like oh there's content to be made in this like either we're really mean or we're really pro wrestlers yeah. and we talk about each other because that on on the Twitch side, that's the entire industry. The entire industry is 
streamers talking about YouTubers who are talking about streamers, okay. and you watch these videos. Congratulations to a lot of small-minded, charismatic people. I mean, that, that's the old trope, right? Is like, yeah. what is it like? Like dumb people. I can't remember the exact thing, but like dumb people talk about events. Okay, people talk about people. Smart people talk about ideas. What are we mostly talking about? We're mostly talking about ideas. Like, and that's what I think is the one common thread with all of our stuff is that for me with elections, Jen with governance, and you with ideas, there is a separation of uh, judgment on the person. Like you can want for you can listen to me, and you can want either side of the coin to win, and my content is still valuable for for you. You can think that this is great legislation or you think this is terrible legislation. You have separated that out that now we understand more at least what these hearings were, what these like, you know, uh, players were. You, you understand more of the process. And for Heaton, it's like, you know, these are the ideas I'm gonna go and concepts. I'm going to go in a mahogany room for a minute and read some books and things. I, I, think, it's, yeah. I, I think you're exactly but, but, right. But, but, but there's no moment where any of us are like, and you're bad right. if you're on this side. Yeah. Even when we're expressing, like, I can say that, that you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, Cuomo is, is a creep and I think he was grooming these women to try to have sex with them. But also it's like my, the point that I did in the episode that I released on Wednesday was like, I also think that there's like an above average chance that he's gonna get reelected. That he's gonna yeah. like win another term as governor as bad as it looks right now. Uh, so it's like either way, you can look at me as like, okay, you can think I'm wrong. You can think I'm right. But I don't think you're stupid for thinking either of the two things. And I think that has become the norm. So, okay, so this, this is another fun point. Like, established, we, we all like each other. We're not going to get mad at each other. One of the yeah. things that I enjoy talking to you both about is I don't know what you're going to say. I know a lot of people in the political sphere where I know what they're going to say. I know what their answer is to every question because they're coming from a place of intense partisan advocacy where they have a line they're maintaining and trying to advance and it's whatever Republicans, Libertarians or Democrats are up to, that, that's their narrative and they're going to push it as hard as they can. When I talk to you all, I don't know what you're going to say and it, it's oftentimes surprising but I, I enjoy asking you questions and I enjoy talking to you because I don't know where you're going to go with it. So it's fun for me. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, no, I mean I think like even now I, I don't know if I would be able to accurately guess Jen's political beliefs and and for I'm tough. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 for for Heaton, I'm sure there's some you know, you just read a lot more books than I have. So like, you know, like like you're like, "Oh, like well, you think that I was uh, a a a Burkean, but uh, as it turns out, uh, <laughs> it turns I did Schopenhauer is yeah. the man of the day. I yeah. hit reverse Uno and now I I have opposite day <laughs> beliefs." Like and I, I would be like, "Okay, cool. Well, you've definitely read that book and I have it." So Well, and like, I think that's another thing where it's I have learned, I mean, granted, it's been a day, but hanging out with you guys off the air, you are the same people. Like, I don't feel like there's an on the air I'm Justin. wings as we talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you're feeling up trees and, like, you're, you do that <laughs> on the air, trees, I feel, yeah. too. Like, you're just I love that you, you also got a, a yeah. heat and feels up trees moment. We, we walked past a, a fiddle leaf tree and it was so big. <laughs> I've never seen a fiddle leaf tree this big in my life. I was so impressed by it. We had to stop and had to point it out and be like, my God, look at it. Usually they're like, one pot at Ikea. This thing is huge. Who's the groundskeeper here? He's very impressed. <laughs> it was super cute, but I was just like, all right, he really is this big of a nerd. Like, it's not <laughs> oh, a, yeah. it's not an act. Like, yeah, so that's kind of refreshing, too, to meet you in person and know that it's not just like, when you're on, you're one way, 
Like you're actually the way you present yourself on your show. I think that's I think that's cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, all right. So let me ask you guys this this question. This is becoming like an introspective therapy podcast. But like, right. uh, <laughs> I need a lot of that. Please. I feel you. like I've said on on this show and and streams and stuff that like when you look at that landscape, like you mentioned, like the Young Turks and Jimmy Dore, and we're in Nashville, so like Ben Shapiro and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, if if we were faker, <laughs> like we could make more money. Uh -huh. Like, uh, is that for sure. is that is that something? Well, no, and and so so my I, I wrestle with that in two ways. Number one, wondering whether that's true, and B, like. Like, is that just being like, you know, uh, uh, jealous or, or is that just singing like... It's all of the above. You, yeah. You, you can be accurate and jealous at the same time. Yeah. I'm jealous of the fact that hacks are making a lot more money than I am. I'm yeah. jealous of that. I don't want to be a hack. I, I'm not like, then I can't be. I'm, neither can you. We don't, none of us can do that. Do you think we could try them? Can we not, try it right now? No, can no, we no. do? Not for like, long. Just for right now. <laughs> you know what? Just while you're eating a wing, can you give me a super hack take? Build I, back better. I, I, I could. I could. I think like, here's what I think I do. I think I could be a good. There's bold, this is bold, big legislation I, I, by Joe Biden that, that, that if, is if, like if, the same thing as, as FDR, like exactly the oh, exact same thing. Joe Biden is FDR. I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of it. Like he has to do something. And by the way, it's Congress that does all that stuff. It's not Joe Biden. Like I, I can't. I can't with that comparison. I think the kindest hat you can put on the hacks is that they are playing the role of an attorney in a courtroom. And in that environment, like this is not what we're doing, right? So, like, if if Jen brutally murdered a man, yeah, and just absolutely clearly killed this guy with a rusty potato peeler and like popped the eyes out and threw him down a, a stairwell, yeah, it was it very clearly it's on it's on CCTV. And I'm her attorney. It's my job to go. Well, we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. rusty potato peeler and like yeah. I mean like it's very grainy footage and yes she agreed to it but she hadn't slept that day right yeah like, it, you're we're gonna have to wait for the whole story your, to come your out your job if you're a courtroom attorney is to do that but very few people working in media are purporting to do that very few people are saying yes I am a hundred percent I'm a hundred percent in the sack for team red or team blue or whoever uh, most people in journalism are claiming to be to some extent, either objective or even-handed, and I, I can't I can't disown that. Like I'm I'm not going to be objective, but I will be earnest and I will be even-handed as best I can be, and uh, and, and so I, I can't go into that thing. I couldn't, but like um, the first show I did, something's off with Andrew Heaton. If if I'd renamed it, drinking liberal tears with Andrew Heaton or something's privileged about Andrew Heaton, either one of those would have done great. Yeah, uh, but I I couldn't do it, and I. It, I'm, I'm angry and jealous that the people I know that can play the hat card and it doesn't bother them, they don't lose sleep over it, make a lot more money. That said, though, I don't lose sleep over it, and I think long term, I will be happier for what I'm doing, and I think it's probably a more stable career as well. So, because the people that actually like us trust us. That's yeah, I'm true. proud of my work. Yeah. 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 So you would know this coming from an outlet that is obviously, you know, intellectually slanted in the blaze. Like, do people lose sleep? Like, like, is it is it something like, like, like in in the happy hour moments when when you're 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 you know talking shop? Like, are you like, hey, do you have a rough time sleeping because you like just said a thing that you uh, probably have a more nuanced opinion of right mm -hmm. now? 
I'm, I'm going to make a broad statement broad. about broad. all political outlets. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's two phenomena going on. There are like there are people pulling punches, and that definitely happens. Where uh, I, during the 2016 election, I was not at the blaze. No, uh, but you were at the but, totally nonpartisan Fox business. Right, totally nonpartisan <laughs> Fox business. Who I don't have an NDA with. Yeah, uh, and really, like like, uh, or if I did, I, they've never called me on it, and I've forgotten about it. Sure. Um, but you might want to check on that. I probably should. Uh, Ailes is dead. It's fine. I, <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, what, what I remember is there were a fair amount of people in the in the green room that would go, "This Trump guy is the death of the Republican Party. He's he is he doesn't believe any of it. He's an outsider. He doesn't believe it. He's not a real conservative. He's the death of the Republican Party. If not America, we've got to stop him." And about four months later, after he'd got the nomination, these same people would go. I don't agree with how he phrases everything, but he makes some interesting points. And I like, in the same way that politicians do view their fundamental first priority as getting reelected, that is their top goal is to get reelected, and then after that, all the other stuff they believe, right? I think that people in media oftentimes have that same mindset of like, well, of course, the first thing is I have to stay on TV. Yeah. And then all the other stuff. But, but uh, clearly, I have to stay on TV. So I, I think that that happens. I think the more insidious thing, which is something that I worry about with me, and yeah. that I think everybody should worry about, is if your audience is drifting one particular direction, uh, and and it doesn't require that you go full hack or anything like that, but maybe you pull punches, and or or maybe like I don't know. I've talked to a lot of people in media who I respect, who like will talk about how if they do. They're they're wanting to be a little bit more even-handed, citrus, whatever. But they get so much credit, uh, applause, money when they make fun of unions or when they're pro-union or whatever that thing is, and it becomes very difficult to to walk away from that sirens call when like your when your audience is gung ho going some direction. I think that happens quite a lot too in media. I mean, I would say you know uh, uh, our my Patreon like has kind of retrograded since the election, which I primarily chalk up to the fact that we're just on the dark side of the moon of the political calendar, so I don't really worry about it or take it personally, but I would say that if that had come after a particular take, like if I had like done an episode where I like said something that I really believed in and then all of a sudden all the money went away, like, boy, it would, it would make me think. It would I've make had, me think twice. I've had waves of getting fired. Yeah. I definitely have. I mean, my audience has skewed towards progressive, I think. Like, yeah. I have, it's the whole political spectrum. I have a lot of, pro of progressives. And the fact that I looked at both of the impeachments and, what, like, I read the Mueller report and I watched the, 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 you know, the insurrection thing. Like, you've heard my episode. Yep. Like, insurrection is not accurate for what happened. So you can't incite an event that didn't happen. Yeah. And so when I said that, that one wasn't as bad. It was the first impeachment when I said the Mueller report says he didn't do it. Yeah. Like it was definitely obstruction of justice, but he didn't do all the Russia shit. So many people fired me for that. Yeah. yeah. It was insane. And it makes you think. And it's, but at the same time, it also, I'll do an episode like Surprise Medical Bells. My Patreon shot up so much because people were saving money because of that. Like it was yeah. helping them strategize on how to fight. So it's, it goes up and down, but it is an interesting crowdfunding like this. 
it can be a really emotional thing because yeah. people have the power to take your funding away. Well, and, when a and, lot of and, people and do and it once. And also on Patreon, they can tell you why. And that, that's, I, My I sister has found that part of the Patreon. She reads it. Um, she tells me that I should read it. That most of the people, when they leave, it's because they it have financial issues. Oh, and yeah. They say really nice uh, that things. Is, that is, then, yeah. I gotta say, n- yeah. nine, like I think I've had maybe of the many. There's a churn and burn every month of Patreon. I'd say maybe three people have left with an angry comment. Ninety percent of the people that have left on my show have been uh, financial things changed, no comment, or alternately I'll be back, or alternately you're doing a great job and I can't do this anymore, whatever the thing. And I'm sure you've got the same thing. That yeah. said, though, like I, I'm with you, Jen, in that um, it is kind of nerve-wracking because, like, like particularly for people that aren't doing partisan stuff, like we don't have a dugout we can retreat to. I don't yeah. have a dugout I can retreat to. I don't. I don't have a, a wall I can back up to. We 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 don't have the standards. We don't have like at the end of the day, like if people are mad, we, we can't just be like, and and that's why lower taxes are right. better. Exactly. Like you know, you know, a hundred percent because it's like like for my friends that are that are taking active advocacy roles in partisan media, if they're not sure what to say about something, default on the party line or, or default on how horrible the other party is. We don't really have that option to us, right? No. Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of terrifying because it's like I live in terror. This fact, I like. I, I say this, the audience continually reaffirms on my show that they like me and I don't need to panic. But this is part of my the back I of my know, mind. That, that is that is not that is not something that you have come to easily. No, it's it's been a long and still there's this part of this this back of my mind goes, if you cease being entertaining once or you go too far afield from what the, they've expected from you from an opinion, they're gonna all leave. Now it hadn't happened, but it is yeah. a thing in the back of my mind, and it is terrifying. Like, exactly. imagine if everything you said in your job would automatically translate to higher or like literally every week, your personal income goes up or down based on your opinion. That's a terrifying prospect. It is. Well, uh, the one thing that is beneficial for us, though, in crowdfunding, is that it takes a lot of people to make us go away. Right. Right? Everybody's kind of got to agree, which is never going to happen on the internet. Yeah. Like, we actually have the benefit of the fact that there's always going to be recalcitrance on the internet. It always hesitant to develop Patreon community. Yeah. <laughs> of like, I want to, because I actually want people to get to know each other. It's really cool. But not, There's this thing in the back of my mind that's like, but then they can rally against me. Like, I, I don't got, want them unionizing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't need them to all have each other's phone numbers, because yeah. then I am screwed. But that also shows the flaw in the advertising model, because if you have one giant sponsor, yes. they can pull your funding and so or you boss, really have or to cater network, to them. Or or anything yep. else, where it's like, like you piss what, and that, that I think kind of shows the homogeny of some of these networks is that it's like, all right, well, there's one program director. There's one dude who's like, well, why can't you be like the most popular person who's doing the most like cartoonish version of this? Be more like that person. That person that uh, draws whatever metrics that we really, really want to uh, uh, you know, attract. They get more eyeballs for this ad. Yep. Do what you need to do. And so I think when you have that pressure on top, like I've obviously not spent much time in corporate media, so Andrew's the expert in this one, but like, you have I'm to imagine. You. <laughs> well, you you have to imagine that they're catering to the advertisers. Yeah. Like, so even if you have to play some mental gymnastics in order to sleep at night, I think they're doing that. I think a lot of people are convincing themselves that they believe what they're saying in order to do their job. I, I I do think though, and Heaton, I'd be curious your opinion because again, you're the only person who's worked this job. That I think that that is one level removed from the people that are actually doing it. Like, the talent is there to please 
their immediate supervisor. Like, and, and, and they, they, they are not thinking about whether or not this Clorox ad is getting enough eyeballs. They are thinking yeah. about whether or not their boss so, so, likes them. So That's true. When I, when I was at the Blaze, to their credit, they never said that there was anything I had to say or couldn't say. They did not censor yeah. me. But they would like, hey, so-and-so is going to be on the network tomorrow. Like, do you want to interview this person that wrote this book called, like, Why Democrats Are Destroying America and All Liberals Are the Worst Thing That Ever Happened? Yeah. And I'd be like, that's kind of off-brand for me, being the guy that's like, you know, we need each other. And they're like, well, you know, she she's in town if you want to talk to her. And, and then like, so it's the people that are doing the car wash that they're going to be on Glenn in the morning. They, they, would, def and they then, would definitely yeah. pitch them, and, and then and then like, no one again, no one ever said you can't say anything or you have to say anything. But occasionally they'd be like, look, you need to you need to acknowledge that you're working at a conservative network, and like you need to occasionally throw some red meat to people. Yeah, and and that did happen where where they would like. Just you know, like maybe now would be a good time to do a culture war episode on this particular thing because it oh. resonates really well with the with, with the people and uh, and like we do happen to have this author on who wrote why you know yeah. why, why uh, Biden's a big fat dude who had yeah, a Biden's a, making everybody gay or whatever the yeah. thing is. <laughs> Did you guys ever watch the documentary about what happened to Jenk Uger at um, MSNBC? No, oh, you need to watch it. I um, can't remember what it was called, but basically what happened to Jenk is he was the number one rated show on MSNBC. He was doing great. But you know who he is. He's like anti-establishment, yeah. all that stuff. And so it was really resonating with the audience. And he was called in and told, listen, we got that you're anti-establishment, but here at MSNBC, we are the establishment. You need to stop it. Yeah. And despite the ratings, despite like how well it was working, they buried him on the weekend and then he left and went back to the Young Turks. But it's really fascinating to watch how that happened to him. And it was kind of, it really changed my direction in my career because I've never even tried to go down that avenue because of what happened to him and watching what happened to Rachel Maddow because she was an excellent podcaster. She did really good at covering war and peace stuff. And when she got the job, thank you. What is that? It's just more, more so. Oh, thank you. Um, when she got the job at MSNBC, she talked to her audience for three weeks about whether or not I should do this. And her calculation was they're owned at the time by uh, GE, which is yep. a weapons contractor. And she was like, I focus so much on war and peace on this show. I won't be able to do that MS MSNBC. Like, I just know it won't be allowed. But my microphone will be so much louder that on other issues that are getting buried, I will be able to talk about that. So obviously, she decided to take the job and made fracking her, yeah. I'm going to tell people about this. And she did great work back then. But now it's been. 13, 14 years, and she's, you know, she was the perpetrator of the Russiagate. Like, she was the number one uh, uh, off uh, the rails. Russian, Russian oligarchs, like, yacht records, and, and building up this crazy fan fiction of, uh, of yeah. yeah. I, it was I also ridiculous. wonder, like, there's also just, in, in general, I think that it's surprisingly easy to lose touch with reality. Like, you see this with people in power all the time, like Kim Jong-un. Yeah. Uh, no one's ever told him his haircut's ridiculous. Literally, mm -hmm. no one in his life's told him that he looks like a moron. It's not happened. Uh, th there's like just lots of people like Except that. Except for the South Park guys, but I don't think he watches it. He's not watching it. There's, <laughs> he's, they're probably, literally, they're cutting it down and giving it to him. Uh, like, I, I don't know what they, like, let's say, like, I go do my own fun neoliberal daily show type thing, and all of the input that I'm getting is how brilliant I am for all of this. And then I get like a nice write up in the Atlantic or something, and like I don't, I'm untethered. I have no means by which to determine what's happening anymore. I, I do think that that's a pitfall of, of success mm -hmm. because you end up 
creating your own echo chamber that reinforces whatever you're doing, and you you lose sight of. And, and, I, and I don't think they're even being disingenuous. I think they're just they can't quite see the landscape anymore because they're only seeing the thing I, they built. I think she's I, lost reality. I, I I do think that there is a a hard road when people follow you because you're smart. Like that's a hard thing mentally to get over, especially kind of in the mind of a creative, which is like on some level, man, we're really going inside psychology here. But like, like creatives, I think are built on this idea that like I need to prove something for one reason or another. Like, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I need to get over some rejection. I need to make up for the fact that I, I was not liked in, in school. Like there's like always this like element to it. Um, and uh, uh, sorry, Heaton is signaling for scotch. He, Heaton just wrote scotch on a napkin. Yeah, and it, to and, 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 and showed it to our friend, who's been like <laughs> so nice. Like I love having you here. Like, just waved a scotch napkin. Just, yeah, just flew a scotch, a literal scotch white flag, waiting for yeah. provisions yeah. to be delivered. And my ADD uh, couldn't handle it. I was like, this is too funny. Like I just said, like here's my point. The Daily Show with Jon Stewart was at its funniest when it was this beautiful synthesis of intelligence and comedy. And then, like, it got bad when, or worse, not bad, it got worse when it became Jon Stewart is the new Tom Brokaw, or Jon Stewart is the new Walter Winchell or, or Walter Cronkite. Like, that he was now, like, the trusted voice. And it's like, okay, so when everybody comes in and sell, tells you you're Mark Twain, what happens next? Like, it can't make the comedy better. It can't make the, the, the product better. It, and, and that's something that I've had to wrestle with. Not in that anybody's telling me that I'm as funny as Jon Stewart or as smart as Jon Stewart, but like the show evolved to a point where people wanted more of my actual analysis right. and less of my comedy stuff. And that was something where like I had like, I knew the comedy stuff was like, all right, I have to work for that. Like, I have to think of these jokes. I have to, mm -hmm. I have to craft them. I have to make them but people really just kind of wanted me to talk about the issues and every once in a while make a pop culture reference and, and be a little silly about it. And that was, that was hard. It was hard to wrap my head around because I'm like, well, is that like worth it? Like, is that good? See, that, that's what I'm trying to figure out right now because I'm about to split my political show from the comedy stuff. They're going to be yeah. separate. And with the political stuff, for the last several years, because I've been wrong about so many things, I've been wrong about religion and politics all over the board, I tend to approach things from a very, well, I could be wrong perspective. And I had this moment in the shower the other day where I was like, wait a minute, are other pundits smarter than me or are they just way more confident? And like, 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 like if an angel came down and Definitely went- Definitely the second. Like, like an angel went, literally no one knows what's going on any better than you do. And we're asking you to just really weigh in and be like, oh my, that's like very, uh, that, that requirement or that call to confidence would be different. But I, I think, Jen, you might be right. I'm like, are the other blowhards just way more confident but not <laughs> more knowledgeable than us? If that's the case, then it might be that I should lean into it more. I don't know. Well, I'm trying to decide if this could help, this could burn a bridge. Go. I think I just decided I don't give a shit. Um, the Young Turks, the way they do their shows is we record at 3 and you walk in at 12 and the, they hand you a stack of articles so they're taking other people's work. Yeah. My job was to read those articles and comment on them. So they do now have investigative journalists like in their organization. That are doing original reporting. Yeah, yeah, they are doing that. But 
one of the reasons that I was trying to develop that information is I wanted one of those articles to be based on something that I'm finding in my show. And they were never interested in it. Like I pitched them a story every time I went on and they were just like, no, we're just going to talk about this stuff or these people, which again, yeah. like pissed me off every time. And anecdotal examples of conservatives being assholes. Is it, well, I and guess. that was the thing. They would yeah. do whole segments on that. And there were times where I just said, oh, I have no opinion. I don't know who that person is. Even if it was a, a lie, I was like, I don't know them. So I can't say anything. Um, but that's easy. It's easy to take other people's work and just like comment on it. It's not all that intellectually challenging. They weren't really add anything. It was just, it's a commentary yeah. where I think you're doing research. You're definitely doing research. I mean, you've taught me about like the political stuff that I generally like hate and ignore, but like <laughs> being your friend, it's good for me to know that yeah. stuff. You're kind of like dragging me into giving a shit. And likewise, by the way, like, like yeah. I, I, I have, uh, uh, Probably at my at my most callous, been guilty of just saying like, uh, uh, oh, that these are all like lizard people who all like you know make their <laughs> way to Washington and they just like are are the most callous, ugly creatures that just do these like super self-interested things. And listening to your show has shown me like, oh no, they're yes, they do that to pay the rent, but like every once in a while, like when they're on a random hearing, like all these people that are cartoon characters when it comes to Twitter, like will all actually ask very thoughtful questions because yes. they are smart people. They do want to like better their 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 station and, and like as, as ridiculous as they can be, uh, it does benefit America that they are serving us. So as I've done I, I've given politicians humanity thanks well, to your and show. That's what happened like after after watching them all these years and seeing them in different capacities, like they became people to me. Yeah. So I got to know who they were. So there's some of them, like Carolyn Maloney's the one that's in my head right now um, from New York. She's a representative. She was in my last episode as an example of someone that was being way over the top with the insurrection bullshit. Yeah. Like it was too much for me to take. But then two episodes ago, I did the episode on the Rock and Play Sleeper, which was a baby bed that. It was on the shelves for 10 years. Turns out our government isn't really able to recall products without getting permission of the companies. It was terrifying to learn. But the reason I learned all that is that Carolyn Maloney did an amazing congressional investigation. She used her chairmanship to do a great investigation. They figured out what the problems were in our system that can be fixed, and so she's working on that to make it so that our government can say, like, no, this is a dangerous problem product it has killed a hundred children this needs to come off the shelves right now we don't we're not going to ask pretty please so it's like it's the same person yeah in one episode she's the hero and in the other episode she's being ridiculous and that happens all the time with these people like they're not so much so many people to me talk about how politicians are you know like because you're a politician you are bad and yeah. that's so unfair and inaccurate. I mean, even Mitch McConnell, who I think might actually be the devil, or at least I did think that, like, out of all the people I think has done the most damage in this country, I think he's kind of number one on my list. Yet, when it came to this whole big lie, it was Mitch McConnell of all people who I thought would do anything to keep Republicans in power that said the president of the United States of my party is lying, the election is over. So it's like, 
and with and, every and, single and to one his, of them. To his, to his credit, like he's held on this filibuster thing that, like, you know, when Trump was begging him to get rid of the filibuster, he's, he, he, he is an institutionalist. Like, he, he mm-hmm. does believe in the institution for sure. Yeah. He does, and thank God for that. And so that was like the first time in my career where I went. Oh my God! I just said thank God for Mitch McConnell. Yeah, like what? I feel sick. <laughs> but I, I think but that's that's the thing. They're that, they're people. And and it is complicated. And I think that that, that in in our we live in a world of uh, especially an, in the capital V capital O very online crowd. Like there there we are in an age of moral imperatives. We are in an age of like. We need to know where we stand. We need to loudly say where we stand. This is a crisis. This is the world is on fire, literally. And and if you do not say like exactly where you stand and you do not attack the enemies of that cause, then you are complicit. And everything is uh, uh, very right now. Uh, uh, and that has led us to this kind of situation where Although that's not where I'm coming from. Normally, it's like I just I don't know I lazily just want to call all politicians sociopaths. But like, uh, uh, I, I think there's two things going on. <clears throat> First, I think with politicians, there, there's this presumption that they are getting paid for by a lobby, and usually it's the other way around. Like uh, Ted Cruz was getting all this crap about how he was bought and paid for by the the, the NRA. I don't remember a period where Ted Cruz wasn't pro gun. Like. Like, like if, if you're some... He gets the money because he's pro Right. If you're a corn farmer's son and you're married to a corn farmer's daughter and you believe in corn farmers, like, weirdly enough, the corn farming lobby wants to give you money. So that's not surprising to me. Um, the other thing that happens is, remember, every single member of Congress doesn't view themselves as the feckless sociopath that's being elected. Every single member of Congress believes they are Jimmy Stewart giving the monologue. They are, they, they are Mr. Mr. Smith. Smith goes yeah. to Washington. That is literally everything every member of Congress wants to do. Every member of Congress wants to be on a bullhorn saying, the little guy's not taking it anymore and we believe this thing. And they all believe they're that person. Yeah. So, so if anything, it is it is the grandiosity yeah. that they see. I, I think I think narcissism and grandiosity are are the pitfalls of political leaders. It, it's in parochialism. I think that's the other big thing too. I think like um, my, I don't know what that word means. Uh, be, being <laughs> hyper. I'll admit when I'm dumb. Hyper, <laughs> being being hyper local because like 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 my, my experience was like uh, congressmen know their district super well. They really know their district very well. Of like. You, you talk to any member of Congress, and you're like, what's this town here? And they're like, Kenton. Kenton, Oklahoma, in the Panhandle, population 1,600 people. It, it's actually the only town in the state on central time, or on mountain time. They, like, but they, can, they know every town. They know like the, the, the diner, all that stuff. They know it really well. They, actually, they like it. They love it. And they are emphatically concerned with protecting jobs in their district, which means that if there is obvious federal graft going on where Lockheed Martin's getting ridiculous money to build a death blimp that will never do anything. <laughs> yeah. And the death blimp needs to have some kind of laser labia at the end. They can shoot out lasers <laughs> from the labia. And it's like it's, like, it's ridiculous, but it, it employs 20,000 yeah. people let's, here in Henderson. Let's not get too scientific. <laughs> they, they will emphatic, they will defend it 
they will completely defend it. And I don't think, like, on, on the one hand, they're doing their job. Their job, yeah. if, you're, if you're a member of Congress, your job's not to represent the country. Your job's to represent Andersonville or wherever you're from. I mean, right? that, that was, I, I've told this story before, but uh, there was a, a, a representative for Syracuse when I was uh, at the newspaper when I was still going to college. And uh, to his credit, representative uh, uh, of Syracuse came to our newspaper run by students, so kids between 18 and 22, and gave like a, a interview to get our recommendation from our paper. And uh, he was very candid in saying like, hey look, uh, you might not like me, but uh, here are all the committees that I'm on. Here are all the jobs that I bring like to Syracuse and, and, and the greater Onondaga area. Uh, you can think that I suck and I can go away, but know that when I go away, those jobs go away. And the next person who takes my position on that committee will put jobs in his town. So, like, that's, that's the reality of it. And, like, you know, credit to him. Like, that was, like, the most real that I had ever heard anybody put it, that it was, like, this is favoritism. I've worked my career as a congressman to get on, on committees where I could bring jobs so people vote for me. Mm. There we go. Yeah. It's a good pitch. Yeah. I, don't, I think we supported it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to go look at it. I don't think we were punk rock enough to look that dude in the, could look a congressman in the eyes and be like, no, man, but for real, like, we should be somebody else. Also, I think he was a Democrat, so, like, we were more uh, enough. Okay, yeah. yeah you know, a bunch yeah. of college kids smoking weed. I've only been in a room with a congressman, or at the, it was actually a senator. It was Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado. It's the only time I've been, like, close to one. We were on the train in the Denver International Airport, stood right next to the man. And I looked at him like, I know your face. And I saw the senatorial badge and like, this is my chance to talk to you. And I realized that I was coming off a drinking binge. I sank <laughs> a vodka. And I was like, I can't talk to you right now. Like, this is my chance and I can't do it. Like, I was a train wreck that morning. And I never saw him again. I, I, I go there into every go. misconnection. You should put it on Craigslist. Seriously, I had one of these yeah. in my bag. I always have my microphones in my exactly. bag for moments like that because yeah. it's like we're in the airport. Yeah. So if I was on my game, I could have been like, "Can I interview? Like, I would love to talk to you exactly. about it." Exactly. Because you're stuck you are too. a senator from Colorado. <laughs> who I am a podcaster who would love to interview you. Yeah, and I knew Corey Garten. Like, I don't know him obviously, but like I watched him in the House. Like, I've yeah. seen him in the Senate. So it's like I'm aware of who you are enough to we could have an interesting conversation. But I, like, he was not going to talk to whatever that was that day. Like I was not at all or, professional. Or he might like my my thing is like I I've, and I worked on the Hill, so I I've met a bunch of congressmen, I've met a bunch of senators, and I, I I still run into them at think tank events, and like I just I go into every single meeting I have with any congressman or senator, knowing I'm going to like them. Because they're very likable. All nice. They're yeah. very and like the, part of they get elected. Part of their job. No, is they're good. Able to they're like good for a reason. Grab the back of your head, massage your brain, and you're their new best friend. To the point where, like, on the odd the, the odd instance where I meet a congressman that I don't like, it really throws me off. Because I I go in going, I'm going to meet this congressman. I'm going to walk out and go, I wouldn't vote for him. But he's a good dude. Yeah. I like. He's a really. I I disagree with him. He's really a good guy though. Rarely do I not like anybody, and like, and I feel like that's like my Jedi mind trick is like I'm gonna go in and talk to the devil, yeah. knowing mm -hmm. that I will be friends with the devil. But I'm gonna go in doing that and make that that delineation. Uh, well, I'm very very glad, and I do feel like as much as we've discussed whether or not we are a part of mainstream uh, uh, political journalism, that we have done the true 
truest thing that any kind of mainstream journalist would do, which is immediately make the conversation about ourselves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so true. I am, the most I important am, people in the room are us. Yeah. That's uh, finally, like in journalism, every journalist's dream is let's like knock all the rest of this off. Let's get to the real story, me. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. This has been awesome. Thank you guys so much. Uh, uh, an amazing first ever all live uh, political triad episode. Uh, Jen Briney, uh, where can people find you? Uh, congressionaldish.com. That is the podcast. Heaton. Check out the political orphanage. There we go. And I would say check out both of those. Uh, thank you guys. No Patreon shout outs. Uh, no nothing else because I'm putting this up as soon as I uh, can because I'm going to go drink more alcohol and fall down in uh-huh. Nashville. <laughs> yep, that's uh, the plan. Until next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more talk about politics, but this one, do you guys know the ending, like the, the, the little bit at the end of the show? I do when I'm sober. So here we go. <laughs> like, like, uh, we do a big all three. Are you ready? For here what? we go. For the, the end of the show. This, this is how show we end it. talks yeah. about all three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.